Good morning again. It's good to see you all here today. And a special shout out to those online. And I think Kim Ray is online today. She said she would be joining us that way. So I hope you're having a good Sunday morning. Uh, we're just getting into our series, All In. And today's part two with yeses. And yeses is a word. I had to do a little study on that, talked with uh, some people in the office to make sure that really was a word. It doesn't sound right, but it is. It's just a bunch of yeses. Yes. So anyway, you get the idea. So, um, you know, as we think about this idea of yeses, I realized that I had been really out of touch on something. And there is this movement for the last 18 months where it's this kind of this thing called the Yes Challenge. And if you do a little search on it, you'll find people doing this Yes Challenge. And you'll find like a, a boyfriend saying, you know, I said yes for 24 hours to whatever my girlfriend said I should do and all those kinds of things. And then the flip side of that. It's kind of interesting. I, I didn't do much uh, research to see if there were anything like that with wives, you know, like a husband says, I'll do everything you say for 24 hours. Didn't look at that. And uh, if you discover that, you don't need to email it to me. You know, I'll just, I'll just take your word for it. But uh, this idea of yeses, this yes challenge. And um, then you see these yes challenges involving kids and kids trying to get their parents to do the yes challenge and uh, say yes to everything they ask uh, for 24 hours. And I found this one, uh, this one brother and sister blogger, and they tried to get their dad specifically to say yes for 24 hours one day. We have the first challenge for you. Yes. What is it? Bake pancakes for us. Bake breakfast. Nutella crepes. Nutella crepes. Yeah, not crepes. <laughs> mm. Okay. Oh, yay! Basically, just make pancakes and add Nutella. Okay. Make a hundred of them. Yeah. Oh! Yes! Very reasonable. A <laughs> hundred pancakes with Nutella on it. Now, most of the, you know, kids right now are in kids' zone, but if you were doing... Uh, a yes challenge with your parents, what is the first thing that you might uh, ask for? See a few out there kind of whispering to people. Pardon? Can I go please go out? Uh, okay, so that's like a husband-wife thing. Bill doesn't let you out of the house too often? Okay, just, just checking, just checking, just a second. <laughs> what did you say? A bag full of okay money, all right. Uh, any, anything else? I see the adults are enjoying getting into this. Any of the kids, what would you uh, throw out there for your challenge? Tesla. A Tesla. All right, uh, go big, right? All right. So anyway, I'm not, that's a little bit more than pancakes, I think. So anyway, this is such a big deal now that Netflix even dropped a movie in the last week called Yes Day, because this whole Yes Challenge. Take a look at this. Have you heard about Yes Day? It's this new thing where parents say yes to everything their kids ask for for 24 hours. Radical! How am I just hearing about this? Well, Yes Days are, like, fun, and Mom and Dad are, like, fun killers. We are plenty fun. It's Yes Day! Who's ready for Yes Day? Ah! Ellie wants to do your hair and makeup. I have a vision. Yes. I'm glad you're using your, your watercolors. Windows down! What? what do we do? One word, two letters, and oh, we 
That is absolutely terrifying, especially for someone who likes their car. Who would do that? Well, it's a movie, obviously, but again, the idea of yes for 24 hours. There was one site that I found where this woman had done her TED Talk, and she did yeses for a whole year, but she specifically targeted an area, and she said, I will say yes to that area for a whole year. So we think of this idea of yeses, and when we look at uh, following Christ, when we look at being all in, you know, parents, you know, they kill fun. But sometimes we as Christ followers or those who are thinking about following Christ and what that really means for your life say, oh, I don't know if I would do even 24 hours a yes, because sometimes when I think of God, I think he, in a sense, kills the fun. But as we see in Peter's life, this is a process, and he is going to learn that his life is going to be a life of yeses. It doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't happen overnight. But as time goes on, he starts to learn what it's like to say yes to God. And as he says yes to God, he sees God showing up in amazing ways. But again, those of us who have been Christ followers for a little while or a long while, sometimes when we hear that, it kind of goes, ooh, I don't, know, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I could just say yes every time God, in a sense, nudges my heart, leads me to do something. I don't know if I would sign on the dotted line for that. But as we see Peter and see his friends, the other disciples, and their relationship with Jesus, this is something that starts to grow. Well, last week we introduced you to Peter and talked a little bit about him, and uh, we were having communion last week, so uh, try to kind of get moving into the series, but some things I didn't share last week that I'd like to share with you. Uh, when we think about Peter, Peter was born in Bethesda. This is the, the Sea of Galilee, sometimes used a different name for that, but the Sea of Galilee, and we see it's eight miles across, 13 feet long, or 13 feet long, <laughs> yeah, 13 miles long. And uh, there's one spot right around where the two E's are, where it's 400 feet deep. And so this is the Sea of Galilee, and Peter was born in Bethesda. And uh, it's interesting that as time goes on, we see him uh, living in Capernaum, and that's where his wife lived. And it's also thought that the reason he did this is because the taxes were cheaper in Capernaum than Bethesda. So he said, you know, cheaper taxes... Fishermen, I think it's better to live in Capernaum, even if it means living with the in-laws, that's where they're going to go. So he moves over there, and that's where he set up shop with his brother and some other friends. And uh, last week we talked about uh, Peter meeting John the baptizer for the first time, and Andrew, and then Jesus, and that happened down here. You see where the Sea of Galilee is? That's about 65 miles away. So he went down there, and that's where uh, he meets Jesus. That's where Jesus himself was baptized by uh, John the baptizer. Now you say, why would Jesus need to be baptized? Why would he want to be baptized? This baptism of Jesus to really was to show that he was all into the mission that he came for, that he was starting it, and he was going to get engaged, and he was going to do that, and that's why John the Baptist, or baptizer, uh, baptizes him. 
So at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. That was that, again, that area right over there. That's where John the baptizer hung out and did his stuff. So as we think about baptism, again, baptism for us today is a symbolic expression that you and I are going public with our faith. We've said yes to Jesus. We want him in our life. We want God in our life. We're going to try to follow him the best we know how. It doesn't mean we're going to live perfect lives, but it means that we're going in that direction, and we want to, in a sense, declare, I am all in. And as you've already heard, we're going to be offering a baptism on Easter Sunday in both of those services, depending on who and someone wants to get baptized. Next Sunday, uh, right after the uh, 10 o'clock service, around 11.15, we'll have an information meeting. And I'd just like to remind you, if you're interested in getting baptized, you want to go to the information meeting, that doesn't mean you have to get baptized. You can go and just find out about it and say, I need to wait a little bit longer. Or hopefully you'll say, yeah, that's something I want to be a part of. I want to go public with my faith. And what a cool thing to do on Easter Sunday. So Jesus is baptized, and then we move on, and we see after this, he goes out into the the wilderness. At once, the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan, and some of us are familiar with that story. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. After John was put in prison, uh, John the baptizer was put in the prison, uh, Jesus went into Galilee Uh, proclaiming the good news. And when we think about what the good news is, the good news is this idea that God is making himself accessible to all of us. It's just not a select few, that God is accessible to all of us through the gift of his son. And when you and I say yes to Jesus, that first yes of hopefully many yeses, it begins with saying yes to his good news. And uh, I love the way the message describes this. Uh, Time is up. God's kingdom is here. And when we talk about God's kingdom, that's God's rule in your life, God's rule in your heart. And uh, if you've ever studied a lot of some of the prophetic books in Scripture, you see that someday uh, Jesus will come back and there will be an actual kingdom. But for now, he sets his kingdom up in our hearts when we say yes to him and we follow his lead as he is our Lord and Savior. And it goes on, change your life and believe the message. And the idea, again, sometimes you see the word repentance, and repentance seems like a huge concept, but repentance basically is saying, I am going to align my life the way God wants me to live my life. So my life is changed. I don't do this all on my own. Uh, God helps me do that. I believe the message. I actually believe it in living it out, and it affects the way I behave and act. And so Jesus is saying is the kingdom is available. It is near. It is ready. John the baptizer started that off. Now Jesus is uh, continuing on with that. Uh, Then we read uh, a little bit later on, and again, this is a little bit chronologically, and some of this is interpretation. Some people say this happened here, this happened here. Some of it's very easy to see how it happened. Some of you got to, you know, really think through what's going on. Uh, Jesus left the synagogue, this was when he was teaching, and went to the home of Simon, that's Simon Peter. Uh, Simon has already been renamed the nickname Peter. Uh, Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help 
her, so he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses, and laying his hands on them, uh, he healed them. And then we move into what we're going to be looking at today. So you've got all this going on, and then a few days later, a week later, one day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is Galilee, uh, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Uh, fishermen would uh, fish in the night, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. And then when they were done, uh, the last thing to do was to put everything away so they would wash their nets so that the nets would not rot and get all yucky. And so they would wash them, clean them up, let them dry out so they'd be ready to use again. So Jesus is down there uh, teaching, and then we see he goes on. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, Simon Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Uh, then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now, i got to remember, Peter and his buddies are exhausted. They've been fishing all night. They're wrapping things up. They're cleaning everything up so that they can be ready to go again. Uh, we're going to see that it had been a bad night. They hadn't caught anything. And Jesus says, hey, uh, you know, Peter, can I use your boat? Can I get out there? The people are starting to crowd in on me. Um, you know, if you're on the water, the, your voices echo, right? You ever seen that? You, you, can, you can hear if somebody in the morning goes out canoeing sometimes if you're camping, and they're kind of like halfway over the lake, you can actually hear those people talking. I remember one time we were up at Bahaba, Booth Bay area up in Maine, and uh, where there's lobsters and things like that. And uh, we were there, and uh, we were out on this boat, and uh, I was in high school, and there was a high school kid whose dad had this big boat, and he was operating it, and I saw a lobster, you know, down there. It probably was, probably was like 15 feet down, but it looked like it was only 10 feet, and I said, hey, you think we could jump in and catch that lobster? First of all, it was too cold, but he said, shh. I'm like, what are you talking about? Everybody in the cove can hear what you're saying. And the lobster men who have licenses will get very upset if you grab a lobster because they'll be upset. So, shh, we didn't end up doing it, but it's the fact that it could echo. So Jesus is using the water to get his message across, and uh, Jesus wants to borrow Peter's uh, boat, and Peter goes along with him. We're imagining that he goes offshore a little bit, sticks an oar or something in the water to kind of hold it steady in the mud, and there he is. Again, Peter is exhausted. I'm sure Peter's like, this is something I really don't want to do. <laughs> you know, I'm ready to be done. I'm ready to forget last night's fishing night because it was terrible. I'm ready to go home and get some sleep. I've worked all night, and, uh, but he says yes to Jesus. And uh, Jesus asked to borrow his boat, and Jesus is going to use his boat. And we see this. He asked him to put out a little, far, little from the shore. And now Peter is kind of stuck. He's got to kind of like stay awake. Everybody's looking at Jesus, and he's sitting next to Jesus with the oar, let's say, in the water. And, you know, he can't doze off, so he's kind of doing that. Again, Jesus helped his mother-in-law out, so he maybe feels obligated to do this. Jesus has called him the rock. That's kind of a cool name. And so, you know, all this is going on. And so there he is. 
And we're going to find that when you and I come into a relationship with God, when we say yes to him the first time, we're going to find that he likes to use our stuff. Uh, He likes to use our time. He likes to use our talent. He likes to use our stuff. So here is Peter, and uh, Peter and Jesus have some kind of relationship, some kind of friendship going on, and he wants to use his stuff. And Peter, uh, I'm sure a little reluctantly, says, sure. He didn't say, no, our nets are cleaned. I'm going to bed. He didn't say, borrow my boat or get Andrew to do it, my brother. He, He decides to do it. And there's times where you and I have our stuff, who we are, how God's made us, our abilities and our time and all of that, and and God wants to use our stuff, and it's not just to use our stuff, but it's to do something in our hearts. And when you and I have our hands with whatever our stuff is, we're supposed to have our hands open. So when we say yes to Christ, there are times where he's going to ask us to use who we are. I love telling the story. Some of you know uh, Tom and, uh, you know, when he passed away this year. But Tom, uh, just even up to a couple years ago, used to mow the church lawn. That was like his thing. He actually even bought stuff so he could mow the church lawn. So he bought this lawnmower, and he loved doing it. He'd take care of the gas and all this kind of stuff because that was his thing. So he used his stuff. And now, uh, some of you know Donnie. Donnie loves mowing the lawn, and he uses his stuff. So it's, it's not that you have to have fancy stuff. It's not that you have to have be all whatever. It's whoever you are, God wants to use your time, your talent, and your stuff. And when we're in that place saying yes to him, we'll see some interesting, interesting things happen. Now, I've already really stated this, that often Jesus will inconvenience his followers. Uh, Peter was being inconvenienced. Often when you and I are going to use who we are, it, it's, there's some inconvenience. It's, it's a little, it, it costs us something. It's a, it's a little, little bit hard. Again, Peter would have loved to have just gone home. But he's out there listening to Jesus. It's interesting in this uh, description of this event, we don't know what Jesus was teaching. And so the writer of this is trying to draw out this idea about uh, saying yes and using your things. And that really is the message. So we don't know what Jesus was talking about. But this idea, again, of Peter. Uh, In Luke, we read, simply put, if you're not willing to take what is dearest to you, whether plans or people, and kiss it goodbye, you can't be my disciple. Now, at first glance, that's like, whoa, that's pretty heavy. What Jesus is trying to say very strongly is you and I, if we're going to be all in, we're not just all in with our words, we're all in with our self, who we are. And we're all in with an open hand. We're going to see some really cool things happen because Peter is processing that. Peter is all in, and now in a sense his, his actions, his behavior, his attitude, where he looks before he leaps is in process. And I love that because I, we've all been there. We're all there. We're in process. We're starting to learn what it means to live a life of yeses. But often, 
And the first step of these things, it seems like it's a big inconvenience. But this is all about the process that you and I go through as we discover who Christ is and, and we start to say yes to him. And uh, really, this is this whole idea of beginning, it's belonging, it's believing, it's becoming. And so we start with this relationship with God. We start to try to figure out who he is, and we begin. This may be even a time where we've not said yes to him, but we're starting to see who he is. Peter is, we don't know when he actually really said, yes, I'm all in, but there were some encounters and then at times you, you plug in and you see that you belong. Peter's starting to feel, wow, I belong to what Jesus is about. Jesus used my boat. That's pretty cool. There's an inconvenience, but it's pretty cool. And then there's a moment where you actually believe, where you say yes to Jesus. And then the rest of life is this act of becoming all you and I can become. The best we can become wherever we're at. Now, I'm not going to go into all this in any more detail than that, but uh, we have What's Next coming up in a few weeks, uh, the week after uh, Easter, and we talk through that process. So if you're interested in trying to figure out what's next, what your next steps are, how you can actually live out a little bit more about being all in, uh, that, that's a good place to find that out. As we continue to read, we said, when he had finished speaking, I don't know how long that was, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Jesus, we're exhausted. The nets are clean. I've done it all. I stayed a couple extra hours used my boat, I'm ready to go. I'm ready not to go any farther. I don't want to do anything. Uh, Jesus, you're a great preacher. Jesus, you know carpentry, but you don't know fishing. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. But then Peter says this, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And often when you and I are trying to live a life, we're trying to, in a sense, pick up the challenge, the yes challenge, and live a life of yeses, we get into these moments where we're not feeling it, we're not wanting it, but Jesus, in a sense, says, lay down your nets. This can happen in big ways. This can happen in little ways. It's about having that open hand. So like earlier this week, I had to go to have some blood work done over at uh, Thompson Hospital over near Canandaigua. I like going there because uh, there's a Starbucks right around the corner, so I can go give my blood and I can get a refill, right? So, um, so I went, uh, went over there. And, you know, the process is, you know, if you ever got to go into these, you know, they're taking your temperature, they're asking you all these questions, and, man, I would hate to be the person who has to do that, and uh, the person's at this, behind this, you know, plexiglass thing, and all this kind of thing, and, and this woman, probably at retirement age, 
was unbelievably pleasant. So I went in, they took my blood, there's a lot of people there, it might have taken 45 minutes, and on the way out, I'm walking out, I'm getting ready to go out the door, they don't have the spinny door going anymore. I like that spinny door. You like those spinny doors you know you get in there? But anyway, they don't have that going right now, so it's going out the side door. And I started to push the door open, and all of a sudden, in my soul, in my heart, nothing major, but in my heart, you need to go thank that lady for being so pleasant. You need to let your, your, your net down. So I kept going out the door, and then I went back in. I said, I got to go do this. So I went back up, and, you know, she's, no one's there at this point. There's another lady sitting next to her. And I said, ma'am? Yes. I go, I just want to thank you for being so pleasant when I was on my way in. Didn't feel I needed to say anything more than that. She said, oh, thank you. You know, she was even more pleasant, and then I went on my way. I will do this because you say so. I will let down my nets. I don't know what God does with a moment like that. You know, I didn't like whip out a Bible and start, blah, 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 blah. you know, I, I did, that wasn't the right place for that. It wasn't the right time for that. But that's the kind of thing we're talking about. So sometimes we think it's the big wow whatever, and sometimes it is. Sometimes God causes us to dig deep within ourselves and really lay down our nets in a huge way. And sometimes God just says, go back and say something nice to that person who is nice. Encourage them. Be nice to that waiter. Be nice to that other person. Whatever it is. I don't know. It's, it's your relationship with God. God prompts you uh, what to say yes about. And again, it's sometimes a little inconvenience. I felt like a little bit like an idiot, you know. I'd already kind of gone out the door. And, but I, I just felt that that's something I ought to do. Because he said so. Occasionally, his requests seem unreasonable and senseless. I'd love to know the rest of that story. I don't want to overplay this. I just went in and said, thank you, your pleasure. Who knows? I, I, have, I have no idea. I have no idea if she was having a terrible day and it was just a front. Because sometimes those front workers... Life has fallen apart for them, too, and they're up there, and they just have to put a happy face on. Sometimes you've been that person. You've been working behind a cash register, and life stinks, and you're just like, hi, inside you're like, this really, how many more hours do I have to do this? I, I don't know what happened with that. Uh, you know, I was wearing a T-shirt from the church, so who knows? I wasn't, like, going like this, you know, but, you know, who, just who knows? But, again, those simple things. And sometimes God connects the dots. So uh, occasionally his, his requests seem unreasonable and senseless. Uh, how many times have you, kind of same thing, but how many times have you been in a situation where they've given you too much money back or you didn't pay enough and they didn't know it and you realize it in the car or once you've gotten home and all of a sudden Jesus says, you need to go back to that cash register and make it right. And you're like, this seems unreasonable. Uh, many times those cash register people do not care. They actually do not like, they would have rather just had you not come back, but you feel you ought to do it. Sometimes there's these unreasonable and senseless things that God calls us to do. So Jesus says to Peter, 
put out in the deep water and let's see what happens. It's not supposed to work. Daytime, the fish can actually see the net. The reason they like to fish at night is they put a little like light flame or something on the water, draws the fish up. And also that little light draws uh, the bugs out, so the fish are really even more excited about being there. And then they don't see the net, and you get them. Well, that kind of action is not happening right now. It seems unreasonable. It seems senseless. It's, it's the wrong time. Sometimes uh, when it comes to letting down our nets, to living a life of yeses, it seems like it's the wrong time. It seems like, wow, I need to go back, make it right with a cashier. I need to go do this. Um, maybe sometimes I need to go back and, and talk about Jesus to somebody and say, you know, you were really happy with what I did or how I did that. That's because I'm trying to be a good Christ follower. But it doesn't seem like the right time. I, I, I can't define those times for you. It's what law God nudges on your heart, lays on your heart. Uh, sometimes it's the wrong place. Sometimes it just doesn't seem the, the right time. Sometimes, it, you know, it is time to say something like that. I, I don't know, but uh, occasionally it seems unreasonable. Jesus' request to Peter seems totally unreasonable, but because he said it, he's going to move in that direction. He's learning what it means to be all in, and a part of being all in is starting to live a life of yeses to Jesus. Sometimes we need to fish again. Sometimes we need to fish again where we failed before. We must go deeper than we went were before, but we must fish again. I sent a uh, Facebook message to Bill Lewis. Bill Lewis is a big fisher guy. He's fishing, and I said to Bill, I said, you know, before, I, I think this is true, but I, I just want to confirm it with you. You know, do you ever go fishing and never catch anything? And he's like, I, I think this was really hard for him to express to me. Bill, if you're watching, you're probably watching right now. He's like, uh, yeah, he says, but that doesn't happen too often, you know, because I know where the fish go and all this stuff. But it was interesting. That doesn't stop him from going back and fishing. You don't catch any fish. You don't, like, sell your boat, get rid of all your stuff, and never fish again. Sometimes when it comes to our spiritual life and pointing to Christ and living for Christ, uh, we have some failures. And it's not even a failure. Just nothing happens. And so then we say, well, I tried that once before. I tried talking with that person once before. Now I'm done. Well, fishermen don't do that. We aren't supposed to do that. Just because it didn't work once God calls us back to fish. In this situation, Jesus is saying, go back, Peter, with your buddies and fish again. Wrong time, wrong place, but let's see what happens. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish, their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that full that they began to sink. Unbelievable. Wrong place, wrong time, everything's wrong about it, but then God shows up in an amazing way. Without his direction, that is Jesus, they caught nothing. With his direction, their nets were breaking. 
And this walk with God is not a black and white, button down, put it into a package and control it kind of thing. It's beyond that. There's a supernatural component to it. God is showing up in our lives. And so there are times where we do everything and we got all our pieces together and it doesn't work. And then there's another time where God leads us to do the exact same thing in the same way, and all of a sudden, our nets are breaking. Again, it's following God's lead in our lives. Watch Simon Peter's reaction. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Peter all of a sudden goes, wow, something else is going on here. Something's just happened. Jesus is a nice guy. He's got some good sayings, but something else is going on. When you and I sometimes are exposed to someone who's quote-unquote great, we see our inadequacies. You see Jesus and goes, wow, and then he looks at himself and he goes, oh. And there's this, there's this tension I don't know if you've ever met somebody that uh, you thought is like big stuff and you, you kind of can't wait to meet them, but then you also feel inadequate. So you're kind of like, that's cool, but I, I feel like shrinking back. You don't, it, just, it just feels weird. And that's what's going on here with Peter. He's realizing really who this is. When we ultimately do what we sense Jesus stirring us to do, even if we do it reluctantly, we will often find ourselves in God-revealing moments. You want God to show up in your life? Feel like he hasn't been doing anything on the horizon? Maybe, maybe it's because you sense his stirring and say no to him. Maybe even now, maybe even now you've been trying to test the water, stick your big toe in and see if Jesus is for you, if God's for you, and uh, you're reluctantly holding back. You're not ready to say yes, but you're waiting for God to do something. Maybe that's the, that's the trigger, man. Maybe today's the day you should say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I don't know what that all means, but I accept the gift of your forgiveness I'm thankful for what you've done. You've made God accessible. Come into my life, and I will start trying to follow you. I'll start trying to walk down this life of yeses to you. I want to live a life of yeses. And all of a sudden, wow, everything starts to change. And then there's some of us who have known Christ for a long time, and, and we've basically learned how to say no because it's inconvenient. It's the wrong time. It's the wrong place. And then we wonder why God isn't revealing himself in our life, why God isn't showing up. See, often in those moments, even though we're reluctant, Peter was reluctant, he says, but because you said so, it's a yes. We'll go back out. And then all of a sudden, he's blown away with a God-revealing moment. He realizes that who he is and who Jesus is. Essential qualities to being all in. What are the essential qualities to being all in? We see them a little bit in the story. Uh, we say yes, but because you say so, I will. You see, there's these times where we have amazement and wonder. 
This is what's going on in Peter's life. He's amazed and he has wonder. He can't believe. The fishermen were all amazed at the many fish they caught. When Simon Peter said this, he was bowed down before Jesus and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. I don't know if, you, if, I was, if I was Peter, I might have said, This is payday. Jesus, come and fish with us all the time. We're going to have the best fishing fleet ever. Go out with Jesus. Jesus says, drop your nets there. Boom, we got money. This is great. No, no, Peter isn't thinking that. He's not thinking, wow, we can skip fishing tomorrow night because we've got so much fish. He's seeing God show up in his life. Sometimes you and I are the recipients of God's blessing. He shows up in our life, and we're like, wow. Hopefully when we're like amazed and in wonder, it causes us to pull back and see who he is, not just get caught up in the blessing. Talk about this all the time because I have to remind myself. Sometimes God blesses me and I start worshiping the blessing rather than the one who blessed me. I start worshiping the gift rather than the gift giver. Peter, in this moment, and he doesn't always get it right, Peter, in this moment, knows where to look before he leaps. And he sees who he is, and he sees who Jesus is. I mentioned this a little bit earlier. You know, there's a situation where he, he, he wants to run away. And in John 21, 7, there's the same kind of situation after Jesus had died and been raised again, and they're out fishing, and they get a big haul. They're not really identifying. They're not really realizing it's Jesus, and this time he jumps in the water and he runs to Jesus. You and I, when we're saying yes to Christ, when we're all in, live in that tension. It's a healthy tension. Wow, you're God. I, I, I can't handle this. Wow, you're God. I want to run towards you. And that's, we see that happening with Peter. So what do we also do? We make a lasting difference. Peter is told by Jesus to be a, to fish for people. To make a lasting difference in somebody's life. You know, it's good to be a good neighbor. But when you and I are good neighbors, it's just not to be a good neighbor. We want to make a lasting difference, not just a short-term difference. As a church family, we're trying to be a good neighbor in our community. We're trying to figure out how to do that. A couple years ago, we did an Easter egg hunt to be a good community. We are going to do it a little different this year, but we want to be a good neighbor. But it's just not about being a good neighbor. It's about making a lasting difference. And all of us have a different role to play in that. Sometimes it's just being nice. Sometimes it's being kind. Sometimes it's through our behavior. And then other times it's actually through our words. I don't think we get a pass from using our words. I thought that was the case growing up. I thought if I acted like a good Christian, that was enough. 
That was only half of the deal. I never had anyone meet me at my locker, knocking on my locker. Hey, Dave Spencer, yes, you're such a good person. I can tell you're a Christian. How do I accept Jesus? Because I said nothing. Nothing. I just behaved. And they knew I behaved differently. But they did not know why. You see, you and I need to make a lasting difference. And I love this verse talks about having the right words to say. The right words will be there. The Holy Spirit will give you the right words when the time comes. Sometimes I have to lean into that. Sometimes I have to go, wow, I'm in another situation. Sometimes I I have a little bit more frequency of this. It's not because I'm any better than anyone else. Some of it's just my role. Sometimes I'm talking about the good news a little bit more. Someone comes and wants to see me and talk to me about it. And uh, I, 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 I'm not an ace at explaining the good news every time. Sometimes I'm like spilling over my words. I'm like, blah, 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 blah. I'm going, I feel like I'm uh, on Charlie Brown and the person on the other side should be here. Wah, 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 wah. And they're like, I'm like, does any of this even make sense? And then all of a sudden they're like listening and they're agreeing and they're saying, I want to say yes to Christ. That's not Dave because I was wah, 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 wah. That is the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean you shouldn't be prepared, but it doesn't mean you need to get hung up on that to make a lasting difference if we are all in. Also, it involves giving all you've got. You know, sometimes when I talk about offerings and talk about tithing, and, and people are like, ooh, is, you know, is that church just about money? And I go, no, we're not about money. We're not trying to get your money. We're trying to get you. Oh, you know, we want you. We want you to buy in. We want you to be all in, because if you're all in, then the money stuff, when it's needed, it all takes care of itself. I want you to be all in. So they pulled their boats up on the shore and left everything and followed him. Some of us go, wow, I feel guilty because I haven't done that. I think it's really about a willingness to do that. It's about having an open hand. We actually have some difference maker partners that used to sit where you sit. And all of a sudden, one day, God started stirring on their heart that they ought to go be a difference maker, not in Seneca County, but somewhere else. And so they basically, literally sold everything and went. If we all did that, then there would be no one here to support them, to support you. But it's having an open hand, using who you are. And in this case, Jesus was saying, yes, open that hand, and I'm taking, and you're going to go involved. You're going to actually be a part of being the 12 disciples. Woo, that's big-time stuff. Give it all you've got. Talking to a rich young man, Jesus said, If you want to give it all you've got, Jesus replied, go sell your possessions. Give everything to the poor. All your wealth will then be in heaven. Then come follow me. That was the last thing the young man expected to hear. And so, crestfallen, he walked away. He was holding on tight to a lot of things, and he couldn't bear to let go. If you and I are going to be all in, we come to Jesus with an open hand. 
we grow and work on living a life of yeses, not a life of noes. Bottom line is this, and this ought to, we ought to memorize this statement, but because you say so. Jesus, but because you say so, my answer is yes. Not because somebody manipulated me, not because Dave twisted my arm in a sermon. No, 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 no. Because you say so. Jesus said so. And then we say yes again and again and again, and it turns into a life of yeses. And we're all in. And we look. We know where to look before we leave. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you that you chose to include the story of Peter, a faithful person who was a flawed person, and we're going to continue to see that. He was all in when he was all in, and that sometimes he wasn't. He had to learn what it meant to say yes to you over and over again. He's in process just like us. Father, I ask if there's anyone here this morning that's never said that initial yes to you, that even in this moment where they're sitting, from deep within their heart and their soul, they'll say, God, I want to say yes to you. I want you in my life. I want to follow you. I thank you that your son made that possible with the forgiveness of my sins. I'm going to start following you the best I know how. I'm going to work at saying yes to you. I may not get it all right, but I'm going to go in that direction. And if there's a person like that, I pray that they've said yes. And then for the rest of us, we ask that you would help us to be Christ followers who are living a life of yeses. Help us to be all in. Help us to enjoy those moments where you miraculously show up because we reluctantly said yes, and all of a sudden we find that our nets in our lives are breaking. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your patience. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.